Yes, I hope. Yes. I'm seeing some some tired faces. I'm seeing some smiling faces. Yes. Some young faces. Beautiful. Well, I hope you I hope you've had a wonderful week. Uh if if you're here for the first time, welcome. My name is Michael. Um I hang around here at Refresh a bit. Um Today, what we're going to talk about is, is really interesting. I'm really excited, actually, to be here, uh, because I think that God has a word for each and every single one of us this morning. I think that God is really calling us to take our next steps, and I really hope that over the course of what God is going to say to us this morning, that we will be able to take hold of that, that we'll be able, we'll be able to cap- capture that, and that we'll be able to, to move forward into something greater. Um, So I'm excited to be here. Are you guys excited? Yes? Come on. Come on. Give me something. All right. So before we get started, um, I actually really want to just ask a question, mostly from curiosity, but also because it has a purpose. Uh, Who has seen Avengers Endgame? Anyone? My people. (laughs) Okay. Avengers Endgame, right? I won't tell you anything because I don't want to spoil it, but if you're into the Marvel Cinematic Universe, consider it, okay, if you haven't seen it yet. Um, It's a really cool movie, and um, one of my favorite characters over the last um, 11 years since Iron Man first jumped onto the scene uh, has been Iron Man, and he's he's just, I don't know, to me, I just think he's the most incredible character because he's different from a lot of other um, superheroes, I guess you could say, in that he's self-made, you know? He wasn't exposed to some weird radiation or anything like that. He uh, was rich, he was intelligent, and he was able to put something together, which changed him, which changed the world, and changed the lives of other people. Um, and so what I'm going to do this morning is I am going to spoil Iron Man 1 and 2. So if you haven't seen it, I do apologize, but also it's been 11 years, so really you haven't actually. Uh, <laughs> just saying. <laughs> so back at the very beginning of Iron Man 1, if you haven't seen it yet or if you um, if, if it's been a while, I'm just going to do a quick crash course on what happened. So you've got Tony Stark, right? He and Iron Man are the same thing. And Tony Stark is this eccentric billionaire. He, he describes himself as a billionaire, playboy, philanthropist. Um, and basically, um, he is the CEO of a thing called Stark, a company called Stark Industries. Stark Industries is a company that sells weapons. They, among other things, they create weapons for the U.S. government. And so Stark, Tony Stark, is over in Afghanistan uh, towards the beginning of Iron Man 1, and he's giving a presentation of this new incredible weapon which he's created, which will help the U.S. Army. Now, after that, he gets into this convoy, and he goes from one place to another, but on the way there, he's actually uh, interrupted quite rudely by some Afghan rebels. Um, and basically what happens is uh, one of the trucks gets blown up by a landmine, then all of this stuff happens, somebody next to him gets shot, and there's this whole crazy scene that just happens so fast, and then the next thing you know, Tony Stark's stumbling out of the vehicle, he's trying to find cover behind a rock, and then just when things couldn't get any worse, a missile just comes and lands right next to him. It doesn't explode, but it's about to, and Tony Stark knows it because it's his own weapon. And so he goes and he runs the other way, but as he's doing that, it explodes, throws him away, knocks him unconscious, and everything turns black. And then the next thing you know, he's waking up into this, into this uh, a cave, I don't know, he can, he can hear fuzzy noises, he's feeling real weird because obviously he just got blown up by a missile, okay, he can't be feeling weird anymore, he's not feeling any stuff. Um, and he, once he comes to, he sees somebody there sitting next to him. And the guy, he explains to Tony Stark 
there on his bed that he had a shrapnel that went all throughout him and part of it went towards his heart. And so what they had to do in order to stop the shrapnel, shrapnel from getting to his heart is they had to put a magnet on his chest, cut a cavity in and then put a magnet over top to prevent it from getting into the heart and killing him. And the reason they did that is because they needed him alive because the Afghan rebels wanted him to create a weapon for them, to recreate one of the weapons that he had created. And so long story short, he ends up getting out of there by creating the first ever Iron Man suit, uh, which he then worked on later, and that's the whole origin story of how it started. He managed to get there, he managed to get back home, but despite all of that, he still had this thing that was left with him, this thing on his heart, that this magnet that was keeping him alive, this magnet which was limiting his ability to do, to achieve his full potential because it was stopping him from having shrapnel shooting into his heart to die. And so the point I want to make out of all of this is that um, actually first, later on in Iron Man 1, what happens is Iron Man actually uses his ingenuity to create a new magnet, a new one, which is powered by what they call a palladium core. But this palladium core, for all of the value that it adds to his life, is limited. It only, um, it only lasts a couple of hours or a couple of days and then he has to replace it. And so the parallels I want to draw here between Tony Stark and our lives is that we all have a lot of stuff going on, right? We have uni or we have school or we have work or we have family. We have uh, time that we want to spend with the people that matter most to us because we want to invest love and time into them. You know, our friends, our family, siblings, Children, grandchildren, grandparents, the whole shebang. And so there's so much that we can fill our lives with. We've got so much that we can fill our lives with to add meaning, to add value, to make a life worth living. And the problem is, is that if we, we tend to, this is our limit, right? And a lot of us, we tend to, most of the time at least, be living right here. We've got so much going on that if we add even just one more little thing, then all of a sudden we're going to be pushed beyond our capacity and we are going to burn out. Just like Tony Stark. He can't go beyond a certain level. He cannot achieve his full potential because he's got this thing on his heart that's stopping that from happening. He's got these palladium cores that have to be replaced every so often because otherwise he faces serious health consequences. And it's the same with us, right? Every now and again, we have to stop. We have to recharge our batteries in order to be able to move on. But the thing is, it doesn't have to be this way. We don't have to be limited in this way. There is something out there. There is a God and a love and a grace out there which can help us move to the next level. And that's what I want to talk about this morning. Are you ready? Before we get started, let's pray. Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the opportunity to be here. I want to thank you for the fact that you have something here for us this morning, a word for us, something to challenge us and inspire us with. I just want to pray that that comes out, Lord, that it's not me that is speaking to these people, but it is a direct line to the cross, Lord, a direct line to the foot of the cross, a direct line to you. And I just pray um, that through what happens this morning, you will not only inspire me, but you will inspire all these wonderful people and that we'll be able to move forward in harmony together as one in the body of Christ. 
to be able to achieve, achieve great things in this world. And we're pressing down on faith now. All right. All right. So it doesn't have to be this way, right? And the first thing I want to bring to your attention is my first takeaway for the day. So I've got a couple of takeaways, three takeaways, which I'm going to reveal throughout. And the first one is everyone has equal, unrivaled access to a God who wills us to exceed what we believe is possible. Does that make sense? Yeah? Everyone has equal, unrivaled, unlimited access to a God who wills us to exceed, exceed what we believe is possible. And you're probably asking, well, where's this coming from? Like, I mean, I agree, maybe, I think, but like, where is this coming from? And so, in order to make sense of this, I want to direct your attention to Ephesians 3, verse 16 to 18. If you want, you can look it up in your own Bibles or your phones, but let's be real, it's easier to look at the screen. So, (laughs) just being honest. All right, so Ephesians 2, verse 16 to 18 says, Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. The cross got us to embrace, and that was the end of the hostility. Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have equal access to the Father. So that answers part of our questions, right, doesn't it? Before Jesus gave his life on the cross, there was a separation between people and God, right? Through the veil, there was a separation between people and God. And there was also a separation between people and people. We, weren't, we didn't always have equal access to the Father because back before Jesus died, you had the Jews, right? And then you also had the Gentiles. And, and the Jews were people who were the descendants of the Israelites, the chosen people of God. And the Gentiles were people who either chose not to believe or simply didn't have the information, didn't have access to God in the way that we have access to him right here and right now. So there was a separation between God and people and people and people. And the purpose of the cross, the purpose of Jesus dying was was to remove that separation. And so you're probably wondering, why the heck did God choose the Israelites over other people, you know? Like, why why were the Israelites kind of the main guys that got chosen and and not, like, another people, you know? Did God have, like, favoritism or, like, what was the plan there? What was the rationale? Um... And the reason I believe God chose the Israelites is because he promised in the Bible that Jesus would be born into the world through the line of Abraham, who was an incredibly faithful leader and believer of God. And Abraham was part of that Israelite movement, right? So was Moses. And B, he wanted to nurture a people who would reflect God's love, grace, and character to the rest of the world and lead others to salvation. And that's what he's calling us to do as well, right? We are a people who can express God's love, grace, and character to the world. And in the same way, he wanted to develop and grow and nurture a people, the Israelites from Egypt all the way through, to be a people who could carry on his legacy, who could show his love, share his love and grace. And so that's why I believe that God chose the Israelites. But when Jesus came down and died on the cross, he got rid of that altogether. There's no longer a separation between people and people and God and people. Christ brought us together through his death on the cross. He treated us as equals and he made us equals as such. Through him, we both share the same spirit and have access to the same And so everyone has equal, unrivaled access to God, right? 
But then what about the next part? Who will the field feed beyond what we believe is possible? What does this mean, you know? Where do we get this from? And so I want to direct your attention to John 14, verse 12 to 14. It's super simple. Believe me, I am in my Father, and my Father is in me. If you can't believe that, believe what you see, these works. If you can't believe that God transferred his power onto Jesus, that Jesus had the power of God on earth, then just look at what he did in life, and you'll understand. The people he healed, the things he did, the grace and the love that he showed. The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but even greater things, because I, on my way to the Father, am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. You can count on it. You can count on it, right? From now on, whatever you request along the lines of who I am and what I am doing, I'll do it. That's how the Father will be seen for who he is to the Son. Whatever you request in this way, I'll do. That's crazy, isn't it? Let's, let's, just, let's just go back for a second. The person who trusts me will not only do what I'm doing, but will do even greater things because I, on my way to the Father, am giving you the same work to do that I've been doing. That's wild. And so the picture that, I, I, don't, I don't know about you, but the picture that I'm starting to get here is that I've got my life right, and I'm filling it with A, B, C, D, E, F, G. But God is saying, trust me, trust me, take a leap out in faith. It doesn't matter what's going on in your everyday life. It doesn't matter how full or empty your life is. It doesn't matter what you're going through, the anxiety, the depression, or even the high that you're on at the moment, the, the things in your life that are going super well. It doesn't matter where you are in life, trust me, because on my way to the Father, I am giving you the ability to do greater things than even Jesus did on earth because he's giving us that same work to do, that same work to continue. And so the picture I'm starting to get here is that maybe our excuses for not being part of the body of Christ, our excuses for not being willing to jump in are not justified. Maybe there is no excuse that can justify not jumping in and getting involved and being part of church life. And so there you have it. Everyone has equal, unrivaled access to a God, to the God, who wills us to exceed beyond what we think. Does that make sense? Following? Yeah? Picking up what I'm putting down? Yeah, you can nod. Good, 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 good. Okay. So what I want to do now is I, I want to move on to my second takeaway for the day. And that is this. Your involvement in the body of Christ is part of God's will. Woo. I can see some of you just like, oh, wait, hold on a minute. What's going on here? What's going on here? Your involvement in the body of Christ is part of God's will. Are you okay with that? Starting to get it? But where is this coming from, Michael? Let me tell you the story. Ephesians 2, verse 19 to 22, it's where we just left off a couple Bible verses ago. It says, that's plain enough, isn't it? You're no longer wandering exiles. This kingdom of faith is now your home country. I just want to stop there for a minute. Has anyone here ever had, has anyone here come from overseas and had to apply for Australian citizenship? Like the full shebang? Yeah, we've got a couple, right? Ha can you tell me a little bit about the process? Long and tedious, right? Takes a while. Expensive, right? 
definitely probably not the easiest country in the world to get into. But here, God is saying, this kingdom of faith is now your home country. Straight away, as soon as you accept Jesus, all of a sudden, this kingdom of faith is now your home country. You don't have to go through some tedious citizenship process that's expensive, that takes time. We have this thing in Australia, like, oh, I feel that about Japan. You don't have to do that. All you've got to do is embrace the cross, embrace Jesus, and you will be embraced into the kingdom of heaven. Not just then, but now. Heaven in your heart now. And so I was a citizen by descent, right? So when I came over to Australia, my mother is 100% Australian, purebred from Townsville, way up north. And um, so when I came over, I got citizenship by descent. I pretty much got access straight away because of that connection. So because of my mother, because I had somebody who stood in for me, I was able to get citizenship pretty much straight away without that long, tedious process. And it's the same thing here. When we turn up to those pearly gates, it's not us that's going to get us into the kingdom of heaven. It's Jesus. It's the fact that Jesus is going to be standing next to us. And God's going to see that, and he's going to be like, come on, citizenship by descent. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name Christian as anyone. Once again, we're all equal. God is building a home, a home, not a business. He's building a home here at Refresh. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here. He's using us all, not just the leaders, not just the people in leadership positions or the people on the board. He's using us all. He wants to use us all, irrespective of how we got here, irrespective of our past, irrespective of the things that we've done, all we are doing, or we're going to do. He's using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He's building a home. And so the point I want to make here is that the church isn't just the collective. You know, they say church isn't a a four walls, it's it's a people, you know? And I'm going to go one step further, and I'm going to say a church isn't a people, it's the body of Christ, right? And we are all invited to be part of that magnificent God's work, and you're going to see that in a second. I think a lot of us, we, I'm going to be real honest here, I think Sometimes it can be really hard to lose focus of the here and now because we're too focused on the kingdom of heaven in the sense that we accept Jesus, you know, we do the Bible studies, we get baptized, and then after that we're like, yes, I've been justified, I'm going to the kingdom of heaven, there's hope, you know, there's hope for me later on. But I think the thing that we tend to forget is that there's also the here and now. God just doesn't want life in abundance for us in heaven. He wants life in abundance for us here and now. And because of that, I believe, and I'm stealing this from somebody, that the lowest form of grace that God can give us is just getting into heaven. The lowest form of grace God can give us is just getting into heaven because there is so much more we have the potential to achieve here and now. So much more. Do you get me? So whatever you're doing now, wherever you are in life, there's more ahead. There's a better version of yourself waiting on the other side of your ability or your willingness to have faith and trust in the God who wants you to have life in abundance now. 
Just imagine what you could do if you were willing to take that one thing that's stopping you from truly engaging and jumping into the body of Christ, into your church, or if you're planted somewhere else, into that church. Imagine what you could do if you took that thing that was stopping you, you gave it away to the king of the universe. Imagine what he could do. It's not just for you, but for the people around you, for the people who haven't had the chance to fully engage with his work. And so then that brings me to my final Oh, there's another one. Oh, this is exciting. All right, let's keep going. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. He's using you now, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone with Jesus Christ as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We see it taking shape day day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, a temple in which God And so I wondered, church, if you look at your life at the moment, if you look at your engagement and your involvement in church life here at Refresh or wherever you're planted, is that you? Does that describe you? Are you allowing Jesus to fit you in brick by brick, stone by stone, as Jesus Christ being the cornerstone that holds it all together? Do you see yourself as that, or do you think that you are outside of that? Is there something that's stopping you from fully engaging into the magnificent clockwork that is the body of Christ? We see it taking shape day after day, a holy temple built by God, all of us built into it, all of us built into it, not just me, Again, not just our leaders, not just the people who are looking after 252 or the other kids' ministries at the moment. Not just Corbin who gets up and speaks every now and again. Not just Sharon. All of us. We are all called to be part of this magnificent clockwork that is the body of Christ. That was the intention behind church. The intention behind church. The Bible is not saying, turn up, grab a coffee, Come in, sit down, and eat. That's not what the Bible's saying, is it? The Bible is saying that he's using all of us to build a holy temple in which God is glorified. That's what the Bible is calling us to. That's the version of church. That's the version of the body of Christ that the God is calling us to. And so that brings me to my next point, my, my last point for this morning, and that is church is, a res- is not a restaurant, it's a family business. Church is not a restaurant, it's not a business, it's a family business. What do I mean by that? Think about a restaurant. Um, has anyone been to a restaurant recently? Anyone? 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 Wow, really? Nobody? <laughs> Macca's? Anyone? <laughs> there you go. <laughs> Macca's is a restaurant, right? You get table service every, oh, I don't know, 5% of the time. Cameron, can you, so you've been to a restaurant recently, right? Can you tell me about the experience? Just in, in like, what happens? What happens when you go to a restaurant? He sat down and he yeah, so that's fair enough. When you go to a restaurant, it makes sense. The reason you go to a restaurant is because you don't have to clean up the dishes or anything like that. The reason you go to a restaurant, right, is to be filled, to sit down and to be filled and to chill and relax. Have a nice night out with the fam or the friends, you know. 
And if you go in there, and if, if the table service isn't that great, you know, if, if the waiter comes over and, and he's trying to, like, get enough room, he doesn't, and you're like, what, what please? Or if they come by and y- you've asked for this dish without avocado, and they give you avocado, and I'm sitting there like, I didn't ask for avocado, you know? Every now and again, you might get the odd person who submits a complaint, and they'll be like, I want to talk to the manager. I don't know if you've ever seen, if, if you've ever seen that happen, you know, live in the flesh, that experience of somebody getting so frustrated that they're like, no, we need to, this, I'm, I'm just not happy. It's something. Um, <laughs> Right, but some other people, they'll just kind of, you know, they won't necessarily complain. They'll be tactful, and they'll just pop that experience into their mind, and they'll be like, well, I came to this place, and it didn't really serve my purposes. It didn't really, didn't really do anything for me. They put avocado on my meal, right? And so because of that, I'm just not going to go there. So that's the restaurant experience, right? And so what I want to w- really, really hammer in today, and I've got some time to do this now that I'm looking at the clock, which is like now. So settle in, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> You've had the entree, this is it now. <laughs> Church is a restaurant. Church is not a restaurant, should I say. It's a family dinner, right? And I think that we can all agree on that in a sense, you know? We all... We all kind of say, yeah, we know, you know, like if I asked you, is church a business or is church a family? You would all say, it's a family, you know, church is a family. You know, you come and you chill together and it's a good time. But sometimes I feel as though even we, though, though we acknowledge the fact that church is a family, that we don't quite follow that thread through to completion, Right? Sometimes we just don't quite get there. We say one thing, but then the way that we are interacting with it maybe does not necessarily reflect what we're saying we think church is. And so what I want to do this morning is I want to change your perception of what church is because the way that you perceive something, the way that you see or view something changes the way that you interact with it. And so it's really important that when it comes to church, when it comes to serving, when it comes to the outpouring of ourselves to other people, that we perceive church right, the way that God intended, because otherwise we may not interact with it quite the way that we are being perceived. Does that make sense? And so we know a little bit about the restaurant experience. What about the family dinner experience? Family dinner experience is is different to a restaurant, right? not quite the same. Um, I run connect groups on Wednesday nights at my place, and sometimes we make the classic Chevy Haystacks, and Haystacks are always a good time. But I think one of the most incredible things about Haystacks is because it's so easy to pull together, there's a real community spirit to it, right? So we have people come in, and then when they come in, they'll see me like stressing out in the kitchen because, let me tell you, the kitchen is not my space. I was not endowed in that area, don't really have culinary prowess, prowess, and so because of that, when people enter my home, Ashley Payne, they look at me and they're like, okay, maybe you should leave and I'll just let me deal with this. (laughs) Um, But the point is that I'm trying to make here is the fact that when somebody comes into your home, they are firstly what? They're welcomed in. 
They're welcomed in. It's a warm environment where people feel at home, hopefully. And then after that, even if they're there for the first time, even if that's the first time there, generally somebody would be like, oh, yo, can you do this for me? You know, can you grate the carrots? Can you cut the cucumber? Can you grab the sour cream out? Can you help with the sauce? You know, it's an experience. It's a family. It's a group experience. People are willing to jump in because it's family. You know, I don't have a particular calling to grating carrots, but I'll do it because of family. I'm sure Andrew here, he, he probably, you know, cutting cucumbers probably isn't, you know, the pinnacle of his life achievement as such. It may not be something that he's necessarily passionate about. Am I right? <laughs> but the reason he'll, he'll cut the cucumber for that family dinner is because of family. Not because he feels called to it, but because of family. So I want to follow this thread through a little bit more with a Bible verse, another one, Ephesians. Ephesians just has some real gold for us as well, doesn't it? Ephesians 4, verse 11 to 16. Hang in, because it's a little bit of a, a beefy one. He handed out gifts of apostle, prophet, evangelist, and pastor, teacher to train Christ's followers in skilled servant work, working within Christ's body, the church. See it here, ladies and gentlemen, Christ's body, the church, until we're all moving rhythm rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's son. Fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive in Christ. Let me ask you a question right now. When it comes to your spiritual journey, whether you are right at the beginning of it or you're here for the first time and you don't really know what's happening with this whole God thing, or whether you've been a Christian your whole life, doesn't matter where you're at, does that describe you spiritually? If I ask you if spiritually you consider yourself a fully mature adult, you consider yourself fully developed within and without, if I ask if you are fully alive like Christ, I know my answer to that question, and it's not yes. And I'm willing to bet that yours is probably the same. Because we're always striving, you know, if, if we're following the Holy Spirit, we're always striving towards something greater, right? But I wonder if we're really actively seeking that out day in, day out. So I want to continue here. No prolonged infancies among us, please. Oofed. Whew. All right. <laughs> Just want to stop there for a second. Clearly, God here is calling us out of infancy in and into spiritual maturity. That's what he's calling us to. And it makes sense, right? Because maturity is the natural flow of family. I mean, I'm not a parent yet. I mean, I am the proud parent of a German Shepherd. But I'm not a parent yet, right? But the goal of parenthood, Mel and Jason, correct me if I'm wrong, is not to grow up children, you know, your kids. Like, you don't want them to be children forever, right? I mean, I think you still have childhood left over, but, you know. <laughs> Kidding. Love you. Uh, <laughs> Love you, 3,000. <laughs> Avengers, Avengers Endgame fans are going to be crying right now. <laughs> um, 
right? The goal of family is maturity, right? So you expect your kids, the reason you invest them, well, part of the reason you invest into them, other than the fact that you love them so much, is because you want them to grow up into fully mature adults so that the generation after that and the generation after that and the generation after that can experience that full cycle of maturity. And yet, for some reason, as much as I love not just this church, but every church ever, is sometimes I feel like the church has become okay with not maturing. Sometimes people in the church are just okay with just chilling where they are. The same way that you respond to a situation six months ago is the same way that you respond to it now. The same struggles that you were having six months ago, you're having now. The same place you're serving six months ago. The same attitude of your heart, the same position that you were in six months ago, you're still in now. Because you've gotten to a point, and then you just kind of like, yeah, this is fine. I'll just sit here. And I feel like as a church, we sometimes fail to help people along that journey of maturity. And so that's what God, I believe, is calling us to today. It's a wake-up call to wake up. If you feel like that doesn't describe you, if you feel like you're not part of that intricate, amazing clockwork of the body of Christ, then maybe what the Spirit is asking you to do today is to take your next step. And so I want to read on. No prolonged intricacies among us, please. What a powerful call to action. We'll not tolerate babes in the faith. Small children who are an easy mark for imposters. Why? Because God loves us, because God wants so much more for us than what we're letting him do through us. This isn't coming from a place of you need to be better at all. It's coming from a place of you have the potential to be better. God wants us to grow up to know the whole truth and to tell it in love like Christ in everything. We take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything that we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flows through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love, robust in love. Are you robust in love? That's my question. When you're walking down Queen Street and you see somebody who's like, maybe more like a Jesus or something, is that robust in love? You know, or when you're not having a good day and you're at the workplace and your co-worker is just like, right? Are you being robust in love? And the amazing thing that I see here is the same point that I came to before and I'm going to come to it again right now. And that is, we all have our limitations, right? A lot of us, our limitations are here. And we are here. But God is saying here and in a lot of other places that we've already explored that he can move us to here. He can do that. He has the power to resource that. But sometimes we're not willing to trust him. But when we are, he can move us from here to here. And this part here, that's called grace. He says, we take our lead from Christ, who is the source of everything that we do. He keeps us in step with each other. His very breath and blood flow through us, nourishing us so that we will grow up healthy in God, robust in love. 
He is the source of everything that we do. If God is the source of everything that we do, then there is no limit to what we can achieve. That's the point that I'm trying to make here. And so God is calling us from maturity, uh, from infancy into maturity, because maturity is the natural flow of family. And if we perceive the church more like a family dinner than we do a restaurant, if that's the perception that we have, it changes the way that we interact with it. All of a sudden, when it comes to family, you know, the natural expression, the natural outflow of the way that we interact with it is that we just want to jump in. We just want to jump in. It doesn't matter, you know, if somebody comes to you and says, oh, we really need help on the children's ministries team or we really need help on the welcoming team or, or anything like that. And you're like, oh, but that's just not my area of expertise. So what? I don't have a particular passion for grating carrots, but because it's family, the most natural expression, the most natural outflow of that perception is that I'll serve. I'll do it. Because I want to work to make that the best family dinner it's ever been. The best damn grated carrots you've ever eaten. The other part of maturity, and once we reach that point, maturity says that I'm going to hold myself personally responsible to fulfill the call on my life, not rely on other people. Maturity says I'm going to rely on personal responsibility myself to fulfill the calling that God has on my life and not rely on other people to. Sometimes we wonder, oh, why aren't we doing more, you know? Why isn't that the way it is? Why can't this be better? Because for some reason, the calling that God has placed on us, the responsibility that God has placed on us, we expect other people to do. And we're like, well, why isn't this being done? You know? God's like, you're supposed to be doing this stuff. So we're going to land the plane now. In Iron Man 2, right? And again, spoilers ahead. <laughs> in Iron Man 2, he finds that the very same thing that is keeping him alive is palladium. The palladium core, the, the magnet thing that's keeping him alive is also the very thing same, the same thing that's killing him because it's infesting the cells. But as you find out in the movie, with the help of his father, with the help of the resources provided by his late father, he is able to create this new element. And that new element, he molds into this new power source, which he can use to power his mom's heart. And all of a sudden, those limitations, the, the destruction and the death facing him, all of that goes away in a second because he puts in this thing, this, this thing which his father inspired, this thing which his father provided. And I think it's very much the same with us as well. We have to be willing to take a leap and a step out in faith and in trust when it comes to these kind of things, right? When it comes to serving in church, when it comes to extending ourselves beyond what we believe is possible. But just like Tony Stark was able to find strength in his father, we can find strength in ours because he's willing to provide. Christ is willing to be there for us. That's, that's what I'm getting from this. Christ is the source of everything that we do. 
And if Christ is the source of everything that we do, if we give all of us over to him piece by piece, then all of a sudden, I think we'll all find that we can do a lot more than we think that we can do. And so I believe that everyone here this morning has a next step. If you've come here for the first time or if you're still at a place this morning where you feel as though you're not quite there with God yet, you're still trying to figure it all out, you're not ready to take that leap of faith into kind of jumping in to a life with Jesus, then I really want to encourage you to do something about that, to give yourself the opportunity you deserve to experience Jesus, to experience God and what he can do through you. And we're very blessed at Refresh this year to have a lot of connect groups that are going. And so if you want to be involved in that space, if you want to join a connect group, which runs every week, usually on a weeknight, and commit to just spending some time trying to understand the Father so that you can make an informed decision on that point, then come see us at connect. Come see us at a connect link afterwards. If you're at a point in your life where you feel like well, where you have accepted Jesus and you've got that power and that blood flowing through your veins, you've been justified, you know, that justified, that one-time action of accepting Jesus. If you feel like you've been justified through Jesus and you can walk up to those pearly gates and you can say, because of the name of Jesus, I get to be here. If that's you, then what's your next step? Could it be that you're relying more on yourself to do what you want to do than you are relying on God to take you to where you need to be. And if you are in that space where you're just living in the love of Jesus every day, where the Holy Spirit is an active part of your life, where you're actively involved in church and in other areas of life, where you feel like you're in, you're in a good place, then I want to encourage you that you are where you need to be. Sometimes when we're closest to God, that can also be when the devil is closest to us, and it can be really disheartening sometimes to experience some of the things that we experience because of those attacks. And so I just want to encourage you. And so this morning, church, I believe that God has a next step in place for all of us. And I believe that what God is telling us this morning is that church, it's no longer about just turning up, grabbing a coffee, grabbing some breakfast, sitting down and taking it all in because that's the restaurant mentality. It's no longer about that. It is about the family dinner. It's about jumping in because we're passionate about family, because we're passionate about making the family dinner the best family dinner it's ever been, week in, week out. That's what church should be. And if that's your perception, imagine a church where all of us were actively involved in the intricate guesswork of the body of Christ. Imagine what we could experience. And the crazy thing is, you don't have to use those excuses of, oh, I'm too busy anymore. Because God is clearly saying that yes, we are being called to something more. Yes, life as a Christian isn't supposed to be easy, but God is gonna be there to fund it. He's gonna be there to provide the strength that we need. Does that make sense? So what's your next step? That's my question for you. And if you feel the Holy Spirit tugging on your heartstrings to do something, to be involved somewhere, 
there are a whole lot of places here. There are a whole lot of opportunities where you can serve, where you can go here at the church or in your local church if you're here visiting. So I want to encourage you to jump in so that we can all work together week in, week out to make this church, this experience, the best place it can possibly be for all of us and for those who don't know Jesus. Does that make sense? Heavenly Father, I just want to thank you for the fact that you've called us to be something greater, that you're there to challenge us, that we have a family here that can challenge us, that encourage us to be more than we think we have the potential to achieve on our own. And I want to thank you that although you've called us to that, you call us to something greater, you call us to something that's potentially more challenging, that you are willing to fund and resource that. Lord, I want to pray that the Holy Spirit will, will tug on each of our heartstrings and each of our minds this morning and highlight those parts of our lives where maybe we haven't given over a certain part of ourselves to Christ or maybe we haven't even given any of us over to Christ. I pray that you will do that not just for the sake of it, Lord, but for the fact that when we give all of us to who you are, when we give all of us for all of you, then you power and you fund everything that happens in our lives. And I think that on the other side of that leap of faith, Lord, is the best version of ourselves. Allow us to remember this today. Keep this promise in our hearts. And may together as a church, we bring heaven down to this place so that for all of us and for all of those who are yet to come, we will make this the best Sam family dinner that they've ever experienced. We'll make this the best church that they've ever been to. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's all our hands go.